Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Welcome to another episode of the New England Society of Geeks. I am Derek, and this is another edition of the, the Monthly, Monthly Comics Cast for May 2020. And that means, of course, that I have with me the cosmic comic guru, Dario. What's up, Dario? Hey, everybody. How you doing? Good, good, good. How's things with you? Very good. You know, living, living uh, the life of being an indoor person and never leaving the house. <laughs> I know, right? Except for yeah. when you It's good, though. I got, I, as I mentioned probably last time, I got a chance to organize some of my comics, you know, get caught up in reading some things that I hadn't read. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm partially part-time working at the store, getting everything ready for the next step of reopening and trying to keep up with all the news. We got all those uh, DC comics and some independent stuff this week, and now um, I don't know when we're going to get Marvel books. So I imagine Marvel books will be in this week. The whole shipping thing is getting weird. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you about that. What what can you tell us about what's going on with everything? So right now, DC for sure is shipping. Uh, there was a whole big um, kind of a fiasco going on between Diamond and the mm. comic distributors because the comic right. comic companies wanted to get the comics out. DC kind of went around previews and said that they were going to ship them through different distributors, which is against diamonds contract with them um i don't know all the nitty-gritty details but we still got our books through diamond and we're not gonna get we're not gonna take books from any other distributor i don't think um but i don't know what's going on with marvel I, you know i've been i had a conference call with the with the head boss at our store the other day and we talked about a lot of things and i meant to talk about when we can expect marvel showing up but i dropped the ball on that one um i couldn't i didn't remember to ask him but i'm assuming it's gonna be this week mm. and there's gonna be uh not probably anywhere near as much as usually comes out so right. we'll see like I think a slow back, slow drip yeah, i think the, i think they push back empire with a y <laughs> oh, yeah. um you know that summer event that would do mm-hmm I don't know if there was any other events. There's Outlawed, which was the uh, kind of the mini event they were doing with all the teenage heroes. Oh right, yeah. So I don't know if that's going to get delayed or not. Um, it's just an interesting time, I think. Are you planning on reading any of those? Um, I I find myself becoming more and more disinterested in current comics. Mm. Um, as far as as far as Marvel and most of DC right now, I start, I'm a I'm, I've mentioned a hundred times I'm more of a DC fan than a Marvel fan. Um, I've been yeah, diving deep in the back. <laughs> I've been diving deep into back issues and buying <laughs> buying Bronze Age stuff. Uh, I bought a lot of stuff through various online resources during this thing. Um, I bought a, a Bronze Age Batman with the first uh, crossover with the Shadow that I mentioned to you earlier, which is great. Yeah, I brought. Cool. I bought. Uh, I didn't show that. I didn't show the next one to you, but I got uh, a Brave and the Bold issue Ooh. that is, is a really iconic. Um, Joker Batman team up. Um, really? I got yeah, I got I, I I don't know where I packed that one away. That one when I got it 
it was a little musty smelling, so I didn't I didn't really touch it. Mm. Uh, well, I didn't really like add it to my collection. Actually, you know what? I got them right here. I used to love the Brave and the Bold. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm glad I got to dive deep back into that. Um, I picked up Adventure Comics number four eighteen, and um, the reason why I got it wow. is because there's an Alex Toth story there that uh, he does for uh, with with Black Canary, and Alex Toth is an amazing, amazing artist, and it's yes. worth worth looking at. Uh, um, the uh, the Brave and the Bold issue that I got is um, issue number uh, 111, very classic cover with Batman. I and love the that Joker. Joker. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Um, you know, and then I, I bought some. I'm going down the Archie rabbit hole for no reason at all. I'm starting to buy some of their some of their uh, superhero stuff that they put out. Mighty Comics. I bought a couple issues of, of the Shield. Oh wow! And a couple early issues uh, issues of uh, Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> I don't know. They're cheap. Uh, oh, this is probably this one I recently bought is one of my favorites. It's uh, Life with Archie number forty two, and it's the first appearance of Captain Hero, which is his superhero that he oh, becomes. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's not Captain Hero. He's uh, Pure Heart. That's right. Right. Yep. And then probably the last thing I'll show you is I buy I bought Ragman number one. Oh, cool. Which is, uh, um, you know, a Bronze Age book. It's a pretty classic, pretty classic looking cover. Joe Kubert. So those are the things I've been spending my 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 money on. <laughs> probably, you know, not the smartest thing to do, but I have to buy comics. I have to. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah. I'm at actually even toying with the idea of starting to buy into the digests, the small color digest that Marvel and DC put out. Oh, yeah. Yep. If it's old, I want it. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, um, you could actually, if you ever wanted, you could actually do some reviews of those on, on the show, too. The old stuff? Yeah, that's my plan. That's what uh, we'll, we'll mention later in the show. We have right. a couple ideas for focusing on different areas of comics. Right. But in the meantime, let's do our reviews for Netwell. I don't have any books to review. I haven't really had any good new ones in a while. So I will let you do some, some reviews today. Um, yeah, it's not a, lot, not a lot out there right now. So I'm just going through stuff that I bought that I hadn't had a chance to read. So Right. And um, still fairly. I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'll do a regular recording of our review system and insert it in future episodes. But for now, we'll just describe it as saying, um, so what we do for our reviews is we re review our comics based on the infinity gauntlet. So basically if you get a full gauntlet, which is very rare, that is a must read amazing comic. That was nearly perfect in every way. Um, and so then of course you get one through six infinity stones with four being about average. And then, um, one, one, actually, I just thought this up the other day. If we do an empty gauntlet, then that is a, <laughs> that, that is a book that is just complete and utter junk, not even worth reading, <laughs> which we haven't had that come up yet. So. Yeah, well, now that I know it's an option, I'm gonna start throwing that around a lot more often. It's a, it's a, it's it's a book that is as useless as the empty gauntlet itself. 
<laughs> like years ago, uh, I, I I bought the uh, the WWE comic just oh to see what it was all about. And I've never been a wrestling I've never been a wrestling fan. And I just was like, oh, God, why am I even reading this book? <laughs> uh, yeah, that for you would definitely be an empty gauntlet. Yeah, that's target. That's a that's a targeted audience, and that wasn't it. So. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But hey, maybe that book is worth something now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I still have it. And probably not. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> why don't you go ahead and get get started with your reviews? All right. So let's see. That's the first book I'm going to start with here. I think I'm going to start with um, a book from let's see, Dark Horse Comics. It's one of their one of the sub print books mm. called Burger Books, B E R G E R Books. Mm. And it is a comic called Tomorrow. It is written by Peter Milligan. And the art is Jesus Haveras, which is spelled H E R V A S. Colorist is James Devlin. And the letterer is Sal Chipperano, C H I P R I A N O. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Um, probably. This is a. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. This book does something that uh, I wish more comics would do. Is uh, It has an intro from the writer that talks about a little bit about the theme of the book oh. and cool. and um, and kind of what his plans are. And, you know, obviously the, he'd written that intro after he'd finished the first story arc, and this is only issue one. So he talks about how a lot of these characters have evolved and changed at, this, at the point of him writing this, and he's looking forward for the readers to kind of, you know, stay with it and keep going. Mm. Very interesting. I also um, appreciate books that uh, comics that maybe will put like a summary on the back of them or somewhere in the inside cover. Uh, like if you were going to buy a novel and you want to just kind of get a gist of what you're going to get into. Right. Um, sometimes comics do that. Uh, they don't do that a whole lot anymore, but I just, I appreciated that. So this was set in a, um, a timeline that's mostly around the time of ours. I would say maybe it's probably, it's out of 2020 or maybe a little, little, little more forward. Uh, as far as technology, it's not 100% different. It's pretty pretty common. Um, but I started reading this after we got put into COVID quarantine. And I thought it was just going to be a post-apocalyptic book, but it's a disease post-apocalyptic book. Oh, so I was oh. just like, oh, God, why am I reading this particular book right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it takes a different, a different angle. Um, so... It follows a bunch of different characters in kind of the way that um, if you've ever read The Stand, you know I often bring up Stephen King, uh, mm-hmm. but if you've ever read if you've ever read The Stand, it's a big cast eventually that gets all brought together, and it feels like it's kind of what he's planning on doing with this storyline. Mm. So, opening scene: a young boy who's got a cello strapped to his back walking through the halls of, of, of like a prestigious music school is looking around at the dead body of his mother, um, the musical instructors, and they're just uh, either in the throes of dying or have recently died. So he's standing there a little shocked and off-putting, and all the internal monologue that we're reading um, gives us very quickly um, the what type of person he is. He's one of those people that, that probably – has um, uh, he's probably on the spectrum and doesn't know how to react to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's a little a little. Un, I'm getting a message 
on my computer, I got a poor connection. So if any of my dialogue stutters or stops, that may happen. But anyway, um, so while he's walking around, he's looking at the dead body of his mother, looking at the instructors. He just immediately starts practicing. Like, he doesn't take this cello off, but he just, uh, just starts practicing the finger movements and then kind of walks through the the, the the littered hallway of bodies. Mm. And we find out later in a series of flashbacks that he was going to apply for the school. He's a genius as far as being a, a potentially like savant cellist. And he's a twin. He's got a twin sister. And his twin sister isn't quite on the spectrum as him. Uh, um, but he doesn't like to do anything or go anywhere without her. And um, like when he travels with his mom, he makes sure his mom wears, like she always wears a yellow shirt, you know, when she travels and she's always wearing the blue shirt when I'm practicing and all this. So they, we see that. So the, the sister stays at home. She says she's sick, but we find out she's just playing hooky because she wants to just hang out. <laughs> um, and it's around that time that we find out that the, that the two twins have a, 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 a psychic bond, like, and would be in most superhero comics. So right. they can actually communicate to each other psychically. Hmm. Um, so he's off while this is all going on. We have, like I said, a little bit of a flashback that kind of sets up what kind of, what kind of disease this is. And this is um, a disease that is based on a technological virus. So it's a computer virus hmm. that evolved to the point where it was able to be transmitted from a computer or a piece of electronics to a human being. So and what it does is, yeah, what it does is once once it gets into the human body, it starts breaking down the cognitive parts of the brain, so they, they, you can't form synthesis anymore, and you very quickly just break down, and everything in your body just stops. So once you get infected, you're going to die fairly quickly. Like hmm. it's not a it's not like a matter of days; it's a matter of probably minutes or hours. Oh, so we get backstory on that. Um, there's a government um, there's a government like person that's kind of in charge of tracking computer viruses. And he is the guy that shows up at the hospital and figures it out and calls his wife and family, tells them to get rid of all the electronics, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then we find out how it affects his family. So we've seen how the, the kid that's a cellist, I should be naming names here, but I'm just going to call him the kid that's a cellist. The kid just, that's a just cell- call him the cellist. How it's affected him and his family. Yeah. And then we see the, 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 the scientist and the, 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 how that's affecting him. And then we see the, how the government gets involved. So let's see how many other characters are there in this, in, in this introduction. That's pretty much the, the gist of it. Um, like the world very quickly falls apart, and now we have a, a, you know a, two pairs of characters, and actually three pairs of characters. There's, there's the government, the guy that, just, that 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 was trying to find a cure for it, and then the two twins that are on the other side of the country. One's, uh, I think, in Philadelphia, and the other one's in California. And so they're all starting their journey to somehow probably meet up. Um, I don't know when we're ever going to see the sequel to this book, but I, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, when I bought it, I was making a joke when, you know, when I was getting cashed out because on the front cover it shows a, a kid, the kid playing the cello on the front cover. And obviously, it's about the apocalypse. And so, <laughs> when I was paying for the comic, I said, "Wow, we never see we never see post apocalyptic stories about cellists, do we?" <laughs> yeah, I suppose but not. <laughs> so, I liked it a lot. I thought the art was pretty solid. Um, the story, the storytelling was pretty solid. Um, I would say 
it's, I find it I, I find it hard to give um, a, a issue one anything above a four if I find it good, um, four being average. Uh, but I think I would give that one out of five. It's it's, oh, it's something wow. that interests me interests me enough mm. that I'd want to I want to read the first story arc, and I really appreciate the the, uh, the writer's introduction. It gave me a lot more insight mm. before I actually dove into the book. Right. So that was tomorrow. Oh, that's pretty good for that the first issue. Yeah. Nice. So. The next book I'm going to jump to uh, came out last week, actually, and I've, I've read and reviewed other parts of this, but I'm going to kind of talk about this and talk about how I felt about the overall miniseries. Mm-hmm. So it's from DC Comics. It's Deceased mm-hmm. Unkillables Issue 3 out of a three-issue miniseries. Oh, yeah. And like I'm, I'm, I'm certain I probably reviewed uh, at least part one or part two of this uh, in the course of us doing this podcast. But this wraps it up, and I find that this uh, iteration of the DC Universe, again, I mean, we just talked about, you know, disease destroys the world. Unkillables is a, another technological disease, the anti-life equation that turns people into right. into basically zombies. They're not true zombies, but they're dead and will keep coming at you. Mm-hmm. Um, so whereas the, the first deceased miniseries focused on the heroes – this is focusing on a group of villains and and how you know how it affects them, uh, what their overall plans are, and how they end up ultimately becoming dying. Well, they like, they autumn die at the end of this, uh, but they die as heroes. So it consists of ter- Deathstroke, the Terminator, um, mm. Batgirl, but not Barbara Gordon Batgirl. It's the uh, the orphan Batgirl, right? Um, yep, yep. Um, Jason Todd. <laughs> Rose, who's the daughter of who's the daughter of uh, of Deathstroke, right? Um, yeah. Commissioner Gordon. Those are like, well, aside from Deathstroke, those are like the heroes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they meet up with a group of villains that uh, that before they form one big team. And a group of villains is Mirror Master, the Creeper, which I never thought they could have villain the the Creeper was a villain, but they kind of put him with the group here. Huh. Uh, Solomon Grundy. Mm-hmm. Um, Vandal Savage, uh, and a few other people, and they're all people. They're all people that are immune to the virus, right. uh, either because either because they're immortal or undead, or they have some sort of insane healing factor. Um, and the ultimate storyline is is that they're just trying to survive in this world, and they find a group of orphans of kids, and they just get so attached to these kids that they save them. They they actually do a little bit of a time jump where they, uh, you know, like in you know, the Three Amigos. Or any any other like like Western kind of movie would like we need to train the people to do you know to to protect right. the town yep. or that kind of stuff. They, they train kids to become assassins. <laughs> and in this issue, the kids are pretty badass. <laughs> wow, <laughs> they're really cool. Um, yeah. So this particular issue, and and I will actually have before I read it, I'm going to kind of find the creative team because I skipped right over that. Uh, they like to hide it as always on the last page. Mm. So it's written by Tom Taylor, penciled by <laughs> Carl Morissette, inked by Trevor Scott, Neil Edwards, and Morissette, and colored by Rex Locus. Um, I love this miniseries as a whole. I'm giving the whole miniseries. Uh, 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 so I'm going to give it a six. Six, six stones. Gems. Nice. Six. 
Uh, this particular issue on its own, uh, a standalone rating for this would be a five because it's just a, it's just part of a whole story. Right. But the entire thing, you can get the whole thing and read it uh, 100%. And say, get the first deceased miniseries and then get that one. Although they're not required to be read together. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Another thing, yeah, I like that. Another, another thing I appreciate. The, moving on to my next piece. Again, it's another book that came out last week. It is <clears throat> another title I reviewed in the past, but I feel like since I just read it, I want to talk about it. Uh, it is Legion of Superheroes, issue five. Ah. Um, I think last time we talked about this, I mentioned that I might be on the tail end of, of, of following Bendis' run at DC. Right. Uh, but we'll talk about that as I as I review this book. So, written by Brian Michael Bendis, uh, art by Ryan Sook, Scott uh, Gowinski, and Wade Vaughn Rob Adger. Again, I feel like I'm butchering his names. <laughs> Colors by Jorge Valente and, and letters by Dave Sharp. So, this was a, a bit of a delay for this book for obvious reasons because of the shutdown. Um, sure. I had read articles with uh, Brian McAbundis who was saying that issue five was the issue to read. It's going to make big reveals on what's going on with the Legion of Superheroes. So, huh. Issue four was kind of the breakdown of the origin or the background of the formation of the Legion of Superheroes as it stands in the new timeline that DC is trying to lay out. Uh, and issue four was a continuation of that. So what's happening is um, Superboy is getting um, a tutorial from an intelligent AI that they use called Caputo. And if you're a long-term Legion of Superhero fan, you know that Caputo eventually becomes a bad, evil thing. Um, kind of like Brainiac, he would say, right? Without being, you know, a person, it's intelligent AI. Mm. So it's giving him the rundown of what's going on. Uh, obviously, uh, Bendis does a great job of kind of giving, going people on on kind of what has happened before in the first page. So there's a breakdown about the Legionnaires finding Aquaman's trident and how the the science police and the president of the, of the United Planets are kind of going after him. Um, he likes to sneak in, because the Legion of Superheroes is such a vast organization, he likes to sneak in characters in the background and make you go, ooh, I'm interested in that. <laughs> like, there's a, there's kind of a standoff going on with all these characters, and in the background you see Dr. Fate, and they actually oh. address her as Dr. Fate. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's a legacy character that I've never, ever seen in this timeline before, so I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, really. Um, so the breakdown, the rough breakdown of this book is to kind of set up why the Legion of Superheroes went back to get Superboy and have them join their team. And the main reason is that, um, well, first of all, both the, both the Madam President of the United Nation, of the United Federation of Planets, or whatever the, the official name of it's called, um, wants to help bring heroics back to the world because there haven't been superhero teams since the, the heroic age, which is what they're calling the the present time of the DC universe. Mm-hmm. Um, DC is going to break out their timeline and generations, but the heroic age is when all the heroes are from. And that covers stuff. I think look, this looks like it covers stuff from like the eighties all the way up to like two thousands. Um, then there's a span of time where there were no heroes and they're trying to bring that in. And this is, there are people on, on a vast number of planets that have shown powers. If they use them to form a team, you know, they, they can inspire other people to do things. Um, but 
the reason why Superboy is a part of the team is because I can't remember. This is <laughs> they make a they make a huge point of saying why Superboy is part of the team. Oh, it's just, it's it's as simple as this. It's, it's it's the fact that they're establishing Superboy is going to become the the true Superman. So what they're saying in this book is they're saying that Clark Kent as Superman right now is not going to be the like he's not going to be the guy who goes down in history as 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 the greatest superman his son is going to end up being known huh. for being the greatest superman which i think is interesting it kind of gives um right. it kind of gives readers a, a reason to want to follow john's exploits even though i didn't need a reason to follow him because i think he's a cool character mm. uh but it's it's interesting and they're already kind of leaning uh pretty heavy into setting up Damian Wayne too, as being, uh, something more than Bruce Wayne. Mm. Uh, we had a brief discussion before we started this about, about Damian Wayne, but <laughs> they're kind of leaning into the next generation. So I don't really feel about this book. I still feel the way I do about Bendis. I think that most of his writing right now is not really standing out for me in DC. Right. Um, I'm still going to follow Legion of Superheroes probably for another three or four issues. And I'm still only going to give it a four. Because I'm not blown away by it. Okay, but it's 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 uh it is pulling on my interest strings if that's even a, if that's even a phrase. It is now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't read any of the Legion of Superheroes. I was going to, but then I didn't, and now they're on issue five. So yeah, it's such a high number, right? Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, no, but I'm kind of the same way. Like, shut <laughs> up. Um. I don't know, like the super, Bendis' Superman stuff is is decent, but I don't know. I've never been a big Legion of Superheroes fan, so. Yeah, neither have I. And I know a lot of people come to the store that are like my age and older that that, that love the Legion of Superheroes. They yeah. love the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. I've always been like, yeah. So. I don't know. They've always had such a wacky cast of characters. Yeah. Thousand boys and <laughs> what else? There's Invisible Girl and. Dream Girl. Mm. It's, what's actually kind of funny is uh, a lot of back, background dialogue going on in here, and uh, Invisible Lad is in the room, and they're like, Invisible Lad? And he's like, you know what? I don't know why you guys call me Invisible Lad. This, like, my, on my planet, we don't even have a... a we don't even have... The, the word lad isn't even in our <laughs> vocabulary, and I don't even know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of right, an outdated so name. <laughs> Yeah, well, they all have those kind of things. Yeah. The last book of review is not released as of this time. It's an advanced copy that was sent to us for review. Uh-huh. And it is from DC's graphic novels for kids line, and it's a, it's called Primer. So it's a self-contained graphic novel that, that hasn't been published in any other format, just in this, in this book. And the creative team's on the front cover, but I'm just trying to make sure I know who did what. So it's written by Jennifer Murrow, M-U-R-O, and it's also written by Thomas Kraginski, which is spelled K-R-A-J-E-W-S-K-I. The art is by Gretel Lusky, and the letters are by Wes Abbott. Now, as being a book in process, there's a lot of um, pages that are just kind of like rough cuts or not, that haven't been colored yet, and they oh, potentially okay. could change. Right, yeah. Um, a lot of... A lot of the, a lot of pages are done. Um, 
but it's set in the DC universe and it's, it reads very much like it would be a great animated movie. Mm. So the main character is, what is her name again? Um, main character is a girl that lives in a foster home that hasn't been taken in by foster parents yet. And over the course of the, of the, of the novel, we find out that um, her father is an ex-con. Uh, we have a flashback to when the police broke into their house to kind of take him away. And the kind of father he was where, you know, he was just, you know, yelling at her to kick the gun over to her because he was getting taken by cops. And it's a flashback that gets cut short where you kind of, we see her kick the gun over to her dad, which makes us make, made me feel as a reader that maybe he got the gun and maybe, maybe killed the guy. I'm not too sure. Uh, but she's deeply impacted by the acts, the actions of her father, father as a criminal and it makes her rebel. Uh, she's not rebellious in the in a in a bad way though. She's just rebellious as in she sneaks out at night from the from the foster home. She uses spray paint to tag tag walls. She's a really good artist. Mm. And when she does get a foster parent, uh, she feels like um, she feels like either she doesn't deserve to have a good foster family, or she nobody really fits what she thinks is going to be. A, good foster family so she's not with them very long so she gets placed with them and either she runs away or finds some way to not be with them anymore so she's probably 16 I'd say um, uh, she's in high, she's high school age and at some point I will find her name as I flip through this book uh, Ashley her first name is Ashley and so that's the kind of girl she is um, we find out that the woman running the foster home you know kind of like a, a stern a stern and, um, you know, like foster home lady, but she's not bad. She's just trying to get this kid a home. But they, they set her up with a young couple. Um, the, the the husband is kind of a hippie-ish, a hippie-ish mm-hmm. kind of a, a painter guy, too. Uh, he's a, his, his career is a substitute teacher, and his wife is a woman who is a scientist, very smart, and he makes no, he doesn't even try and hide it. She makes all the money, and he is just, he is, so he's going to be the stay-at-home dad, or he's going to be the, he's the guy that, that supports her, and you know, in in ways that are not financially, he's just emotional support and all this stuff. <laughs> and they're written very well. They're written like a good couple. Um, it's, it's, none of it seems forced or fake. Um, so eventually, she, she gets placed with them, and she has. You can see Ashley has a hard time bonding with the with the with the wife for, until she finds out that the wife is a football fan. Hmm. And then she's well, you're the best because you know even though this guy is cool, they're both they're both football fans, so that's their bonding thing. <laughs> um, so as, as the story progresses, we find out uh, that the the wife is a scientist working for a organization that's developing a, uh, a body paint application that grants superpowers, and they're going to use it to uh, create super soldiers. Um, <laughs> We find out that this organization, that this, that that the, the government at some point have been trying to build like robots to use, and it didn't work out. Well, actually, we find out that the government didn't want to do robots because they're super afraid of Terminator happening. <laughs> of course, so they very specifically said we don't want robots. Robots will be used to turn against us, <laughs> but they wanted people. So they they find a way. They found a way to give people superpowers, 
based on uh, the, the, the applications of his body paint that they got from, we find out later that they got it from harvesting, harvesting DNA from the sites of super, superhero and supervillain battles. So there's a whole array of body paints that you can use, but you can only use three at a time. If you use more than three, it, there's a, like a, like a small explosion that doesn't really hurt you, but it'll knock you, knock you for a loop. If you're wearing it, it, or, it open opens it. up a portal to another dimension. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then all, your, all your powers are shorted out for like five, 10 minutes. They'll come back, but they're shorted out. So long story short, she eventually, she actually finds the paint because the mother uh, steals them from the lab because she doesn't want them falling into the wrong hands because these government stooges are, are going to use it for the wrong thing. And, uh, she becomes a superhero. She calls herself Primer, and she has like a little adventure where she fights one of the, one of the bad army guys. I'm really oversimplifying it um, as far as kind of just rushing through what the main story is, but this is a pretty big book. Um, I don't know what the retail cost of it's going to be. Yeah, it'll sell for it'll sell for ten bucks. But DC's been putting out a bunch of things for young adult readers. Um, from very young to middle age, like like maybe ten to fourteen year olds, and we've been getting a lot of these. We've been getting a lot of these uh, advanced copies, and I've had a chance to read some of them. There's a a Batgirl one, which was very interesting. Uh, a Catwoman one, which was pretty cool. Um, a young Bruce Wayne one that was pretty, that was pretty cool. Um, oh, there's there's two Wonder Woman. There's two Wonder Woman ones coming out that the art in them are amazing. Uh, they're not published yet, but it's all stuff I had a chance to see. And I, I really encourage this. I think that there needs to be more younger age stuff out there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Definitely. As a, as a comic, as a seller of comics, when a parent comes in, I have to kind of gauge what kind of parent they are before I can give them things for the kids to read. Because even Marvel and DC, some of the violence levels might be too much for some parents to want their kids to read. If you have like an eight year old kid, you might be like, eh. Right. So, but I, I like this a lot. I thought it was good. Um, for me as a reader, I mean, it was, it's, it's honestly, it's only a four for me as an adult, um, because it's not anything new to me. Um, but I, I told you, it felt like I was kind of reading, um, a storyboard for what would be a pretty interesting animated film. Mm-hmm. And I, think a kid would love this and i think a kid would think this is like really really cool and i i, I like the character a lot and i think if they used her again there's a lot of potential for her to uh, to kind of grow as a kind of a side a side thing for dc so then uh i take it you would definitely recommend it to to parents looking for stuff yeah if a parent kids. came in i would show this to them hmm. cool uh, so, i mean so far the stuff that's been out so far for the young adult dc stuff i haven't felt there's any reason for me not to recommend it to them. I mean, the, mm. everything they've done so far, I felt is, is pretty good. Mm. Um, Marvel has Marvel action heroes, right. but they're still publishing that as a, as a, as a monthly kind of a floppy mm. um, instead of a collected trade. And I would recommend those too. Those are really good, especially the, the, the Avengers one and the black Panther one and the Spider-Man are really good. Mm. So I think those are good too for, um, the younger crowd, but they're not. They're they're geared towards the younger crowd, but they're not like like goofy, cartoony. You know what I'm. You know what I'm trying to say. Like like I don't know. what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you know like. No, I know what you're trying to say. Like I feel like this is kind 
this is cartoony. Like this is this is kind of like um, Iron Giant, that kind of animation style. Right. Yeah. Um, but the Wonder Woman ones are still simplified, but more complex art. Mm. So I would like, actually let me rephrase that. There's two Wonder Woman ones coming out. One of them is super simplified, but the other one is really, really good. And it's based on a young adult novel that came out. Mm. I just wish you were close by. I'll have to dig them out and show them to you. But I think, they're behind, I think they're behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. All right. So um, that's all you have for reviews? Yeah, that's all I have. All right. I have for reviews right now. I got a small stack of things that I want to read, but that's it right now. Yeah. And I, of course, as I said, don't have anything. So that will do it. Huh? <laughs> Nothing. I just said slacker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so that will do it for our review section. So now um, we'll move on to a little bit of um, news items and such before we move on to our uh, last segment. Um, so first we wanted to talk about the de- debut of the sh- the show Stargirl, um, which is based on a DC hero. And it, it came out. This is kind of interesting what they did. And um, you, I believe you watched it on the DC Universe app. Yes. Yeah, I watched it on the DC Universe app because I can watch it an entire week before you can. You heard me. I said a week. It was not a week, which is not true. <laughs> and <laughs> it's only I, a day. <laughs> it was only a day. And I watched it on the CW, which um, I just read they announced in November of last year. Um, that they were going to be doing that with this show, showing it on mm-hmm. DC Universe app, and then the next day showing it on CW, <laughs> and then after that yep. they'd have. No, it I was on, aware they were going to do on the CW app. So it'd be interesting. I don't know how much difference there was. We'll see if we find any during our discussion. So no, yeah. Well, you think there might be some some changes in scenes? Like maybe they edited it differently? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. But this is this is um since it's Star Girl based on a teenage hero, maybe not. I don't know. But anyway, this so Star Girl is uh about teenager Courtney Whitmore, um, whose father was a member was Starman of the Justice Society of America, um, played by Joel McHale, which I found no. interesting. Nope. That wasn't her father. She spends a it wasn't episode a- thinking that's her father, but they haven't they haven't they haven't proven it yet. I don't think it's going to be her father. The Starman. Yeah, I, they they, mm. they mentioned that they haven't proven that it's her father, and I don't think it is going to be her father. But oh, I mean, continue. Really? All right. So as of as of the first episode, her father, her father, Starman, played by Joel McHale, which <laughs> which I didn't even know. I would. I didn't really know a lot about this show going into it, um, but that was pretty. That was a nice surprise, and it also stars Luke Wilson, which is cool, and Amy Smart, who plays Courtney's mother, and um, mm-hmm. and come on, what is? And the main main character Courtney Whitmore, who is Star Girl, is played by Breck Bassinger. Um, yeah, so. What did you think? That of might it? be her first role. I think. I think I started. I think I started an interview, and I think that this is her first, like possibly her f- first big role. I think so. Yeah. I am very glad that they got Jeff Johns to to, to be such an integral part of this book because yes. 
fuck. That character is his character. He made her up, and he helped he helped bring the Justice Society of America back uh, into the DC universe. Right. Um, in the in the God, I want to say it was in the late nineties or in the mid nineties. He kind of reintegrated everything. He wrote. Um, he at least I wrote the pilot. Movie. I know that much. I don't yeah. know how much more he wrote, but I love this episode. I, I thought it was great. I'm so glad that they're using Injustice Society of America. Yep. I am so glad that they're using the the villains that they're using. I mean, this the only negative I can say is that if you're not as deeply knowledgeable of the DC lore that, that as I am, which I am not, you might be like, who is this guy? Who which is this I dude? was. Why is she there? <laughs> there was and a few everything of them. That hit the screen. I was like, I was like, icicle. Wizard! <laughs> Grundy! Yeah, I, I recognize Huntress. Grundy, but they did um, <clears throat> they did do a nice uh, job of, in the beginning, um, doing the uh, naming everybody without making it really cheesy. Oh, what, the, what you mean in the, in the first fight? In the first fight, yeah, in the beginning, when, when they yeah. all get, yeah. the Justice Society gets slaughtered, and, yeah. and Luke Wilson's character goes in... <laughs> He's running around. He's like, Our Man, Star Man, Dr. Feet. <laughs> <laughs> right before they all died. When they showed Our Man, Our Man run through, when I saw Our, Our Man run through, I was just like, Oh my God, Our Man. And then I was like, How are they going to handle him in this show? Because Easy. he is a pill popping hero. And I imagine they're going to change that. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, but like you said, I'm one who's not deeply embedded in the lore of the Justice Society. I've never really read the Justice Society. I have a, a a very rudimentary knowledge of the Justice Society. Um enough that I recognized all the heroes in that fight, but not all the villains. Mm-hmm. But still, even so, I still enjoyed it. Uh, my own, my I think one of my negatives to the show is that setting it in current time is not a problem with me. Mm. I think it's good. Um, but the problem is, is that the Justice Society is very much Golden Age, right? Post war heroes. And these guys only died 10 years prior to this. Right. So yeah. They would have died in, what, 2010? So 2020. Right. So, so yeah, that might. It's a little wonky, mm. but I'm, I, I just. Yeah, you just go I, with I it. I don't really care. I'm not going to hold it up the show. Um, and Joe McHale as Starman is amazing, and I need to yes. see, need to see much more of him. Yes, I want there to be a bunch of flashbacks of him. Me too. Ah, oh, I want more. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, and that uh, the the way they the way they did the staff was great. Um, yes, I thought. Yeah. The, the thing the thing is is that Star 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 Girl gets her staff from Starman, but not that Starman. So. This is where I get into the nitpicks. The, the, the nitpicking part of it is Jack Knight is one of the sons of the original Starman, right? And he had that staff. He inherited it, and he kind of finagled it and made it look that way. It's not. It's not the cosmic staff. It's a. It's a different version of the cosmic staff. Um, God, I don't want to say it's a star staff, but that's not what it's called. <laughs> um, it's a. It's not quite as powerful as a cosmic staff that his father used. Um, but when he retired, and for life of me, I don't. I think he died. I think he retired. Um, he gave that staff to Courtney to, to carry on as Stargirl. Okay. Uh, and I kind of wish that they would do a series with Jack Knight Starman. Mm. But now that they're doing this, I, it would 
just be too complicated. I mean, the Jack Knight Starman is perfect for a TV show, but it would convolute stuff at this point. So just yeah. focus on Courtney. Hmm. Hmm. We'll see where uh, her high school life is pretty cool. Goes. I like I like that. The what? Yeah, I like that. I, I liked how they showed her her <clears throat> first day at school and her oh, high yeah. school life and all. Yeah. And they're obviously, they're obviously setting this up as a town, a town of evil. <laughs> I mean, not necessarily evil, but it's gonna be like it's gonna be like Sunnydale, I think. Yeah, or like right, you know, everything's sunny, Sunnydale, but they're vampires. <laughs> I think, um, I think they handled it pretty well overall. I, you know, mm-hmm. especially not not being it already being a huge fan of the character in that particular world. Um. I thought, yeah, I thought they did a really good job with it. Yeah, I like the lot. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I wonder if they finished filming the whole series before they released it. Yeah, I'm wondering that too. Because I've had to deal with maybe they do a shortened seasons of the CW stuff. Mm. I think they did. I think they filmed the whole thing. Which you can kind of tell too. (laughs) It kind of they all kind of feel like they ended abruptly. You know, one of the things that I, I like so much about the show, I mean, it's they are, they are showing it on the CW, and it is it is a part of the CW universe as being a different Earth, because they went out of the way at the end of the Crisis of an Earth miniseries to show that even though even though there wasn't, like, a multiverse anymore, there kind of is. Right. Nobody knows about it. And Stargirls is one of those multiverse planets. Right. And... It was filmed and paced a little, I think, differently enough to set it apart from everything that's on CW right now. Mm. So, is it or is it not a part of the Arrowverse, quote unquote? It is part of the Arrowverse multiverse, but it's part of the. This is where when you start talking about comic book multiverses, it right, gets complicated. Yeah. So after after Arrowverse's Crisis on Earth, all the planets got destroyed. Right. It was just one, right. which is the planet that, which is the planet that Supergirl and Batgirl and all those characters live on now. Mm-hmm. And then that planet started to replicate and create a multiverse again, but they don't have access to it. So, like, if Team Flash wants to wants to try to go to another 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 planet okay. now, another multiverse planet, they can't. So they're out there, but they're separate. Right. Which means that they can do a crossover again, maybe in the next two years if they want to. But right now, they're keeping everything separate. Right. Okay. I get it. All right. Well, overall, um, I'm looking forward to seeing, watching more of this show. It, it kind of yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. It, it kind of felt a little refreshing in a way. I have to mm-hmm. admit, I'm I'm getting a little burnt out on the some of the other Arrowverse shows, but I don't know. This one, I like the way it feel. It felt. It feels. Yeah. So we'll see. Hey, how do you feel about Ruby? How do you feel about Ruby? Ruby Rose leaving as Batwoman. Oh yeah. Mm, I don't know. Honestly, what do you think? Have you watched it at all? Do you watch Batwoman? Oh yeah, I watched the whole season. Um. So I I felt I felt that it started kind of slow, but by yeah. the end of it, I thought she was a really good Batwoman. And yeah. I'm, be, I'm bummed out. David better replace was good. Yeah, I hope so. It was just weird that. It was just all of a sudden, kind of. Well, I read a, I read an article yesterday saying that it was kind of a kind of kind of a mutual thing. Like de- she didn't really want to be there anymore, right? And the CW was like, whatever. Mm. Yeah, but I, I heard she didn't like the long hours or whatever. And I know she had injured her back too. So yeah, apparently it was pretty bad. But they're saying that they're saying that 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 
didn't have much to do with it. It's probably she. I guess the article I read that she had done more film than TV aside from Orange Is the New Black, and she wants that she is like you said, didn't like the long hours. Right. Probably didn't like having to be stuck in Vancouver for as long as she was there for. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess I'm kind of not super attached to her right now, so I guess I'm okay with it. It's gonna be the first time they've had to. They had to, this would be the first time they've had to change a, a primary, a, like a like the hero recast that. Yeah, really. I just hope they pick somebody good. Yeah, me too. Mm. I mean, they did a good job with this one. Yeah. Although, like when I was when I was reading all the articles, apparently she had a rough time of it when they picked her. It was angry for different reasons because yeah. the world gets anger, angry about things. Of course. Oh my god. Can't believe XYZ. I'm so angry. <laughs> yep. Because people are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, what else did we want to talk about? Oh yeah, the uh, um, the Fantastic Four thing. Go ahead. You can take the oh. lead on that one. So Fantastic Four... <laughs> Fantastic Four is going to um, have a miniseries coming out at some point in the unforeseeable future, but they made the official announcement. It's going to be Neil Adams doing the art, Mark Wade writing it. And all I can say is, thank God Neil Adams isn't writing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you ever, have you, did you ever look at or, or, or read the, the Batman one that he did and the Superman one that he did? I read the Batman one. It's a nightmare. Yes. It was just all over the place. It was a nightmare. <laughs> it was, yes. I just, I don't even know if I finished it, to be perfectly no, honest with the, you. The story wasn't going anywhere. It was just like, oh no, Batman's on a train. Oh no, Batman's in prehistoric, <laughs> prehistoric <laughs> Earth. <laughs> He's riding a dinosaur now. Neil, Neil Adams is an amazing artist, a legend, um, but as far as writing goes... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Mark Wade is um a good writer and he is good on the Fantastic Four. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Yeah. He's got at least a, a a background with the Fantastic Four. And since their intent from the article I read is to use as many many characters as they can, I just hope it's it's not cr they're not cramming people in it's like oh hey there goes wyatt He's <laughs> jogging down the road yeah and look who's visiting today she hulk weren't you remember once <laughs> hey oh. luke <laughs> <laughs> then they'll have um ghost rider hulk and wolverine and spider-man show up and be like oh hey remember that time yeah. <laughs> i heard uh, i heard there was a fantastic four reunion here <laughs> actually they did that and uh when they when they brought the Fantastic Four back like last year or two years ago, the the climax of the story was uh, Reed bringing together everybody who had been a member uh. of the Fantastic Four at some point. And it was a lot of people. It was a lot of people. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> do do we? But yeah, I don't know when that's coming out, but I, I'm more than willing to try that book when it comes out. Do we have any um any any um have we heard anything about the story that what the story is going to be? The only thing I read was that it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna um, be a tribute to the Fantastic Four in the way that it's gonna be a storyline that tries to use many of the iconic characters that are within the Bronze Age. Hmm. So we're probably gonna see Agatha Harkness. And oh yeah, I, yeah, we're definitely gonna see Wyatt. We'll probably see we'll probably see uh, Black 
Panther and any humans probably crystal will be in it. There'll be a um, um a subplot with Willie Lumpkins. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean he'll be <laughs> at least yeah, him and him and Roberta are gonna become friends. I don't know if you know who Roberta is. I do, yes. <laughs> Vaguely, but yes. But um yeah, I mean it should be uh, I'll have to check it out. And ha- how long is it supposed to be? How many issues? Uh I can't answer that. I'm imagining it's going to be six issues as a guess. Four to six. Because so, um, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I think I think Neil Adams did 12 issue miniseries for the Batman Superman ones, but those were a mess. And Mark Wade might be like, eh, I can make a nice tight story in six issues. Go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it may end up being even more issues when they're done. <laughs> a 42 issue. Miniseries. That's a weird number. (laughs) (laughs) How random. Yeah, but it's like when when Marvel canceled the Transformers cartoon uh, uh, comic years ago, and it was like issue eighty-one out of a four-issue miniseries. This was the banner that they put on top of of the book. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Gotta love it. But yeah, um, I look forward to reading that when it comes out. So. Another thing we wanted to talk about was the Joker 80th anniversary. Yeah, so I'm not entirely sure, you know, what is going to be in that book, but what really gets me pumped for it is that Jose Garcia Lopez is going to do a Joker story. Mm. Um, I hope. Unless I misread the article and it's just a pinup. But either way, he's going to be involved in it somehow. And if any of you out there have never seen Jose Garcia Lopez's art, uh, he is he is... Like he designed the DC look in the eighties. He kind of he kind of did all the marketing for them at the time. He did he he drew comics for them. And if you were gonna kind of like envision like what the DC image was like in like the very early to mid eighties, that was part of it. So hmm. and he also cool. also did the Batman Hulk, the Batman versus the Hulk treasury size book, which I love. Ooh, nice. I've never actually read that, but I've seen images. <laughs> no, you should definitely read it. It's when you find out that uh, that one well-placed blow from Batman can take out the Hulk. You don't say, huh? <laughs> and it was when I was a kid, it was the first comic I ever read with the Shaper of Worlds, who I had no clue who he was, but the entire time I was reading that as a kid, I was like, it's a giant scroll <laughs> with tank pants <laughs> instead of the legs? Who is Why it? not? <laughs> <laughs> he's more than that. He just looked like a scroll to me because he's got big pointed ears and a ruffled chin. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, I guess that'll do it for our stories. So now it's time to move on to our final section. And that is a section we are now calling... Off the shelf, right? Off the shelf, <laughs> off the shelf, bum, 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 bum. and that, <laughs> <laughs> and that is our section where we go back in time and we review, uh, we read and review a book, a series, or storyline from a comic book from ages past. And this month we decided to do a book called. Camelot 3000. It's a DC heavy episode, by the way. Just yeah, so you know. it is. Yeah. 
<laughs> and and uh, everything is from DC. So which is funny because I'm more Marvel, book. but <laughs> that's why you need to pick the next one. Yeah, I guess so. Huh? Um, yeah, Camelot three thousand, written by D- Mike W. Barr and drawn by Brian Boland, and it is um, basically it is about King Arthur um, being brought back to life in the year three thousand. So there you go, Camelot three thousand. Thank you very much. Excellent, excellent. Hey, idea. all right. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> So this was a what was it? Twelve issues. Yeah, twelve issue, twelve issue maxi series, as they used to call them back in yes, the day. Maxi series. Um, anything about anything free was a mini series. I mean, it was a maxi series. I think. So basically, it takes place in the future in the year three thousand, and England is being invaded by aliens. The whole world is being invaded by aliens. Yes, but specifically, this is about England. <laughs> because it's Camelot. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mainly we see England in this book. And um a young lad. Hey, is that lad word again? Um <laughs> <laughs> while running away from the alien invaders, stumbles across the tomb of King Arthur. It doesn't just stumble across the tomb of King Arthur. We find out that he actually had done some work on the archaeological site and was going there specifically to hide right his parents get killed they're trying to escape england and they get shot at by an alien his parents die terrible terrible thing to happen mm-hmm. um the, the boy's name is thomas and he runs to the site to hide but the aliens follow him right and he, and he tries to he pry open he pries open the tomb of king arthur to hide in it but lo and behold king arthur rises from the tomb yeah, he, w- he wakes up, he comes out, and it's all his glory, and <laughs> the kid doesn't know what's going on, but Arthur just, Arthur immediately sees that the kid is in danger from some sort of demonic creatures that are attacking him, the aliens, and he jumps up, grabs the pry bar that the kid was using that is very similar to a sword, basically, right. um, and he very quickly dispatches these aliens in like two seconds flat, and he... He grabs a laser from the aliens, figures it out pretty quickly, and then mm-hmm. uses the laser. So then we have King Arthur with a right. with a crowbar and a, and a laser gun. <laughs> Not bad for never having seen a gun before in his life. <laughs> so the first issue deals with Arthur waking up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get some we get some uh, some panels of characters that were. We're going to later learn our, our reincarnations of his knights. Um, they go and they collect oh, Merlin. I forgot to mention what year this book comes out. Like when it was published? Yeah. Hold on. 80... I'm going to say 88. I always say 88. Oh, it was uh, 1982 to December 1982 to April 1985. Wow. Took yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, continue. I was buying this as it came out too, and I don't remember it taking that long. Really? To come out, but it did. Yeah. So Arthur, like I said, he goes and collects collects Merlin from. Uh, yeah. So overall, it took 1982 to 1983, 1985. Excuse me for for twelve issues. That's quite a quite a gap there. 
it must not have come out one issue yeah, every month. Why, that's probably why I would. That's probably why I felt like it came out like in '88. <laughs> <Because it took laughs> yeah, maybe. It's a lot to come out. So basically, I remember I had I had a poster for this thing in my wall too. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I pulled it out of one of those comic magazines that I used to collect. Oh, yeah, yeah. So basically, over overall, the story is you know Arthur comes back to life. He gets his uh, Knights of Camelot reincarnated. To fight the aliens and stuff, um, and his queen, and they're trying to fight these aliens, who it turns out are being led by Morgan Le Fay. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but there was some interesting, um, interesting things in this book. First of all, this book was a lot more adult than than I expected it to be. There is you know the level of violence and 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 there was a few sexual sexual situations and stuff even a little partial nudity and the outfit that morgan was wearing through the whole thing was very revealing i was surprised by all of that yep yeah she wasn't wearing much and and, and the the mutation that she was going through was mm. was was you know Little, little, the the pustules on her back, a little yes. disturbing. Yep. But the uh, yeah, like the level of violence in the book, the the the, the themes. Um, one of the when shortly after Arthur arrives and he meets up with Merlin, goes to get his sword. His sword gets teleported to the United Nations, where he draws it in front of a crowd, um, inspiring the world mm-hmm. a bit to fight against the aliens. He immediately, Merlin does the next thing in his plan is he releases the memory energies of all the, all, mm. all the knights that were going to be reincarnated, which are not many. There's just key characters. Right. We got <clears throat> Guinevere, Lancelot, um, Kay, who's his brother, mm-hmm. uh, Galahad, who's the son of Lancelot. Right. Uh, Percival, who is the one who found the whole, Holy Grail mm-hmm. in, in, in the original storyline, and he finds it again in this. And um, uh, uh, who is the guy that gets resurrected as a woman? Oh, um, oh, 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 oh. That was an interesting twist. Yeah. That led to a... a Tristan, cool... Sir Tristan. Yes, Sir Tristan. And yeah. uh, one of them got reincarnated as the... What are they called? The Uni Men? The Neo Men. Neo Men. Where did I get Uni from? <laughs> I don't know. Which are So the Neo the Neo Men are <laughs> The Neo Men the Neo Men are, are, are prisoners and convicts that that, that their sentences to be turned into these hulking beasts that are being used for various security purposes. They're more they're more monster than man. Right. Uh, but uh, Guinevere goes to collect one of the knights of the round. And we find out that it's one of the one of the people there in the middle of the process of being turned into a Neo Man, mm-hmm. and it's Sir Percival. Right. So she's not able to save him in time. He becomes a Neo Man, and she thinks that all is lost. Uh, but he was able to maintain his intelligence. He can't speak, but he's still he's still Percival. He's just in the body of a monster. Right. And um... so we spend a lot of time we spend a lot of time dealing with uh, the knights, kind of acclimating. Oh, you know the other thing too is there's a who's the guy. The black guy who's got a family who doesn't yes. want to necessarily be 
That's actually really interesting because he's uh-huh. he, he, it's not like he just, oh, it's Sir Gawain. He doesn't just forget his family. He remembers his family. A lot of these guys are just right off to be knights, but he is going to fulfill his duty as a knight and then immediately go back to his family. Um, so they form the Knights of the Round Table. We very quickly find out, they very quickly find out that Morgan Le Fay is behind this, and not just Morgan, but her son. Uh, though mm-hmm. they don't do that in this. They don't, they, it's her nephew in this. Yeah, it's Arthur's son. They don't ever talk about how they don't, they don't ever talk about how he was conceived and who the mother is, right? Which is her, because because she basically roofies him and yeah <laughs> and copulate them to have the baby. But they, uh, I mean, if they they went so far as to like do everything that they could in this to to, to, to kind of you know keep true to it, but they just didn't touch that at all, which I yeah. thought was interesting. Oh, that might have been a little much. <laughs> <laughs> for them to get into <laughs> but they like they did like um like uh like like um who is it Tristan the one who comes back as a woman yeah who is about to get married before they find her him her so uh they have to break up that wedding which leads to some interesting story bits later on with the groom becoming a, a bit of a of a, a nuisance to them. And then there's a whole thing with um with Morgan and her son Mordred. He is a guy called Jordan Matthew, who is a UN security director. And um he's kind of hatching a plot with the leaders of the world in a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is the the leaders are weird. So the the president of the United States is his this, this what this is very much this is very much an eighties oh totally British very much eighties British thing yep they did this they did this like Alan Moore did this and Frank Miller did this and yep. when when they, whenever they showed the president it was Ronald Reagan yep <laughs> it was just but, Ronald Reagan. but it's Ronald Reagan as a cowboy dressed up in red white and blue clothes with the yeah. With a tie that's actually technically the flag of Puerto Rico, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a, the Chinese um, leader who's eh, kind of just there, and uh, they have the Russian leader who's <laughs> very, um, very Russian, very Russian, and then I don't know if this, they have uh, if this guy in the in the uh, um, full military gear is uh, one of some kind of African warlord or something, but uh, yeah, Rachma. He is his, the supreme. His name is Rachma. The supreme Rachma. I love it when he gets introduced. He says, uh, "None of his people want Rachma out. They all love Rachma. I kill any who do not love Rachma." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I also love the. I love whenever they show uh, President Marx, who's basically President Reagan. Right. He's he's always like rubbing his scalp under his toupee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, what's uh, Morgan's little face son's name? Uh, Mordred. So Mordred, Mordred. Mordred is hatching a plan with these guys, and the plan is to go along with Arthur, uh, who has formed his new Camelot, help them defeat the alien menace. And then they will in turn 
immediately kill Arthur and his crew because they're not going to stand for him leading the world into an age of glory mm. uh, or in peace. Right. Um, so you know that old chestnut. Right. <laughs> Overall, I'd, I, I'm I'm not particularly fond of the Arthur versus aliens thing. Uh, I do enjoy I do enjoy the art so much and um, just a concept of, of of King Arthur in the future and the machinations going on in the background of the story and the things that they deal with uh, with Tristan and. And that kind of stuff, I think, is what really sets the story apart. Yeah. Tristan being a woman and not being happy about it. And, um, mm-hmm. well, I don't, I was going to say. The whole story with her and her and her, and her, and her, and her, and her reincarnated lover from the past. Yes. And then the kid that fought, fell for her right away. But Tristan's like, I'm a dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting little twist. Um, and then, of course, they had to throw in the Lancelot Guinevere love affair and everything. But one thing I was going to say is, um, you said you didn't like the whole Arthur fighting aliens part, which I wasn't crazy about either. But I feel like that was not really a main part of the th- the story. So yeah, it's not. It's like it's like Arthur fighting the Romans, or just they just, they right, just have yeah. that something in the fight, right? So. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about it either, but it wasn't, since it wasn't the main focus of the story, it didn't, it was okay. So this is a, are you still there? Yep. Look, look, look like you froze for a minute on my screen. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> so having read this, uh, having read this in the 80s and having read it now, um, I'm, I'm glad to have this in my collection. Mm-hmm. I, have, I bought the, I bought the deluxe version with, uh, with some nice, nice frills and intro and mm-hmm. you know the new cover and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's something I could recommend anyway, though. Yeah, I was thinking that too. It uh, <laughs> it's funny because even though it's a story about King Arthur, who's a character from the past, and it's a takes place in the future, it still feels a little dated to me. Mm-hmm. Like you can definitely tell it was done in the eighties. I think, I think if I were to recommend this book to somebody, it would have to be to read it as to to get a glimpse as to the kind of things that were being written in the eighties. Like right. this is this was being written at, at at a time where comics were really taking steps forward and mm-hmm. trying to make changes in, in theme and maturity and all that stuff. And really breaking out of the the superhero only shell that they were locked in for a long time, right? Or Western shell they were locked in because it was that only that kind of stuff going on. Um, so it's it's just one of those things where if I, if I were gonna, if I was going to recommend it, I would have to be very specific about why I wanted them to read it. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's not Watchmen. It's not Watchmen. It's not V for Vendetta. It's not. Right. It's not a, a great literary classic. But man, I love. Brian Boland's art. I just love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got some good stuff. It's definitely, I would not, definitely not say it's a must read, like like Watchmen or Dark Knight Returns or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, for some people it could be a really interesting read. So this is where it comes down to. Our new, new rating system that we're using specifically for this category of that we're doing, which is off the shelf. 
And we're not doing the gauntlet, right? Nope. We're doing... Yeah, because these are... Read it. These are going to be older it. books and such. We, we didn't feel giving it a ra- rating, a gauntlet rating would fit. So, yeah, like you said, it's going to be read it or leave it. So it's more of a recommendation than a rating, I guess you could say. Yeah. That makes sense, yeah. So. So, I don't know. I think. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I would I th- hmm? I think I think based on what I just told you about if I would recommend it, it would have to be very specific. Yes. Why I was recommending it. Mm-hmm. I think that automatically puts it in the leave it category. I'm not just going to run up to somebody and grab them and say, you must read this book. Right. Yes. I agree with that. So, yeah, for the most most comic book readers these days, I would definitely say leave it. Unless there's some specific thing on that you enjoy or into that I think you would enjoy it. For the most part, I would say leave it. Yeah. The art, it's worth it for Brian Boland's art, and it's worth it for, I guess, the historical viewpoint of, of the changing of comic views in the 80s. Right. But it's so, it's so, that's such a specific fan base that, yeah. in, in general, I would say leave it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That works, yeah. Yeah. Paul won't like that. <laughs> yeah. Gonna be like, oh, no, yeah. Well, this is his <laughs> suggestion, too. Well, you know what? He was, he yeah. had... Um, he was welcome to come on the episode and discuss it. So, <laughs> but he didn't show up. So <laughs> he, what was the term? He ghosted us. <laughs> uh, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so it's his own. So there you go. You ghost us. Then we say, leave your, <laughs> your selection behind. Leave <laughs> it. Uh, no, but it is unfortunate we didn't get to have Paul the world's greatest sidekick on tonight, but hopefully he will be on in future episodes. Now that we got him set up, it, it, it took me a half an hour last, last week to get him set up on Skype. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe he already forgot how to use it. I don't know, but he didn't respond to yeah. us. But anyway, I just, just, just listening to you, just listening to you try and guide him through the email part. Made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That was good stuff. I should have recorded that. <laughs> but I don't have any stamps. Electronic mail? <laughs> it was almost that, yeah. It was almost that bad. Then you get all well, frustrated. Really close for hours. <laughs> no, it's N and not M. N as in Nancy. Not M as in Meathead. But anyway. It's the exact same thing. I was- I was at the, I was at the front door of our store talking to somebody through the closed door, trying to give him my email address, and he just was getting all these letters wrong. It's like no, yeah, F, not your, S. <laughs> your email F. address is basically <laughs> the store name, and but shortened, right? Yeah, yeah, that. All right, so um, I think that work. I think that's going to work out well if that's how we do our our books in the future. The mm-hmm. Read it or leave it with a caveat. <laughs> but um, is there anything else you wanted to mention or talk about? Uh, not not off the top of my head. I can't think of anything. Just oh. everybody should stay should stay safe. Definitely. Stay home. Yep. Read some comics. Play some games. Just uh, you know, try to relax a little, people. 
Yeah, chillax. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that'll do it for us this evening, I guess. Uh, thank you, Dario, for joining me. And uh, until next time, uh, just remember, folks, <laughs> Nightwing is just Robin with chest hair. Good night, everybody. No, shots fired. <laughs> Good night. Thank you for your cooperation. To contact the New England Society of Geeks, you can email us at nesogpod at gmail.com. That's n-e-s-o-g-pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Nesog Podcast. That's N-E-S-O-G Podcast. Find us on Facebook on our New England Society of Geeks podcast page. Follow us on Instagram at Nesog Pod. That's N-E-S-O-G Pod. Finally, if you could find it in your hearts, we would appreciate it. If you could give us a rating or possibly a review on wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you and good night. <laughs>